Well, welcome to the Jason in the House podcast. I'm Jason Chaffetz and appreciate you joining us today. We're going to have some fun because we're going to talk a little bit about the news. We're going to highlight the stupid because, you know, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And then we're going to phone a friend. And this week we're going to call somebody I've seen from afar. Never met her. Never talked to her. Uh, Abby Hornacek. Um, You've seen her on Fox Nation doing just having fun. She's got like the coolest job at Fox. Um, and so we're going to have a conversation with Abby Hornacek and I'm really looking forward to that because she just, you know, I like being around people that are happy and, uh, she strikes me as a perpetually happy person and, uh, and a lot of fun and it'd be interesting to hear more about growing up and how she got this gig at Fox. And, uh, anyway, it should be a good conversation, but first let's talk a little bit about the news. I try to highlight some of the things that, uh, Maybe don't get as much attention as they should, but uh, I'm absolutely fascinated um, by a discovery that happened just a couple weeks ago. It was in the country of Georgia, not Atlanta, Georgia, not uh, not the state of Georgia, but in the United States, but the country of Georgia. Uh, archaeologists found the oldest human tooth they think they've ever been able to find. This is uh, tooth is estimated to be 1.8 million years old. And uh, it, it's really interesting because at least in part of the article, they're saying that these scientists believe that early humans started migrating out of Africa about 2 million years ago. And this tooth is one point, And it's really like if you saw a picture of it, it's really well encapsulated. And I just thought, you know, it's hard for me to fathom back 50 years, let alone 200 plus years in the foundation of the United States of America. And then you think back to the time of Jesus, and then you think of time BC, but then you try to fathom what 2 million years ago is and what life was like for people back then. It really does boggle the mind. It's sort of like what I get when I look out into space and the stars and the moon and and you just wonder, you know, where's the end? And, and it just causes you to really contemplate uh, life as we know it. And uh, anyway, so we, when they have these sort of scientific discoveries, I just think we should spend a little bit more time on that. And, and it just, it's a great fascination for me. And uh, I don't know, maybe it is for you too, but they're 1.8 million years old in the country of Georgia. It's pretty amazing. And then another funny thing that we actually saw along the way, they are trying to develop uh, technology uh, so that they could broadcast games and do some calls with referees and whatnot that the referees are looking at um, in a faster way. And one way to do that is to be able to have the cameras uh, focus on the, the, the balls. So whether it be a football or a golf ball, or in this case, it was soccer. And they were using this artificial intelligence to try to follow the soccer game. <laughs> but the problem was, and they were broadcasting this, they thought they had the technology down. And the, and the thing that I thought was very funny about this is what they did was uh, the sideline, the side, the linesman uh, was bald and the camera kept getting confused and it kept following the referee. And so the sideline, the, the linesman. Um, and so the poor people watching at home didn't get to watch the game. They got to watch this linesman running up and down as the, camera focused on the back of his head 
it struck me as funny, and I guess I put it in the category of news uh, along the way. Um, the other thing that I wanted to highlight, obviously a little bit more serious, um, we're coming up on the midterm elections. I do hope everybody gets registered and participates in the voting uh, in this country. You know, I think there are a lot of people that are concerned about the integrity of the vote, the ability to actually get a true vote. But you know what? For those of you that uh, maybe think, oh, well, why should I vote? My vote won't even count anyways. It will count. And it will definitely not count if you don't show up to vote. Um, countries uh, like ours are a little bit different than maybe the rest of the world um, in that there can be poll watchers. There are people and participants. And these elections are run by counties. And they're run at the local level. And that allows you and others to be participants in it. And if you have the time, have the inclination, have the right heart and spirit to it, I hope you do get involved and figure out how you can participate in making sure that we have a free election, a fair election, but an accurate re uh, election. And that you work with your state legislatures to make sure that the vote is authenticated. And uh, we can have a big, long, hour-long discussion about just that. But it really, don't let it become a federal issue. It really should be a local issue. That's how these things are best done. If we have a one-size-fits-all, federally-run, Nancy Pelosi-directed uh, election, that is not what we want. It's going to happen in your backyard, and consequently, you need to be involved and engaged in that. All right, let's turn to the stupid, because, you know, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. This I saw on foxnews.com, and the Times Union first reported that California paid 45%, which is a significant amount. They paid 45% less for rapid COVID-19 tests than New York did. And there was a Governor Hochul donor that was a major donor to the governor here. And it's estimated that if New York had had the same uh, contract that was out there that New York could have saved $286 million. So let me say that again. If New York had paid the same price as California had paid for the exact same tests, then New York would have saved $286 million. It says in this article that Hochul's administration purchased $52 million or 52 million units of the what's called Care Start tests. And they were manufactured by a New Jersey based firm called Access Bio for $637 million, paying an average of $12.25 per test. But instead of buying the test directly from Access Bio, as California did, New York went through an intermediary. Oh, guess what? That New Jersey-based distributor, Digital Gadgets, well, they're owned by a New York City family who donated nearly $300,000 to Governor Hochul's campaign. Does this smell suspicious to you? I think Governor Hochul has not had enough attention on this. So she gets a $300,000 donation the state of New York pays $286 million more than California paid because they went through an intermediary. How convenient. That, to me, is bringing on the stupid. 
All right, now it's time to, to phone a friend. Like I said, I've never talked to her. I've seen her from afar. Uh, I know her family because her dad, Jeff Hornacek, was like a great basketball player for the Utah Jazz and for the Phoenix Suns, and he was a coach. And But Abby is kind of on the scene now at Fox Nation with her show parked. She'd done the ride to work, America's Arenas. She's uh, she's just done a lot. She graduated uh, cum laude from the University of Southern California. And she's uh, one of the bright, happy faces at uh, uh, at Fox News, doing a lot of very interesting reporting and, and fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's just give up a dial and call Abby Hornacek. Hello? Abby, Jason Chaffetz. Jason, I wasn't expecting your call. What a surprise. I, uh, that's probably because I've never called you before and we've never met. I saw unknown caller and I was like, uh-oh, am I in trouble? That, well, are you that? Come on, you answer those. Well, I see unknown caller, and I'm thinking, nah, this is going <laughs> to be one of those calls I don't want to take. Well, that's actually a great point. Although the some people put their work phone, um, it comes through as an unknown caller, so I always answer, and then it ends up being a political call. And I'm like, gosh darn it. Yeah, they want you to do a survey or something like that, or or buy some Vegas, Las Vegas, uh, some Las <laughs> Vegas, you know, show tickets that you don't need or something like that. Exactly, and I am no sucker. I always answer and I say hi. Do aliens exist? And then they hang up on me. Yeah, I bet you're you're actually one of those people that's that, that my perception is you're just like really nice to anybody and everybody you bump into. Uh, it's all a facade. Is there a mean side to Abby Hornacek? <laughs> oh yeah, you know. No, I hope not. I hope not. My my parents are such wonderful people that they have raised me to always treat others how I want to be treated. So the hopefully golden the golden rule. Exactly. So hopefully people think I'm nice. But well, you come across it. Look, you're all over Fox Nation. I mean, you're doing the coolest, funnest things like <laughs> everything that everybody wants to do. You're out there on Fox Nation. Tell us what is the latest? Like what are you what's coming up? What what is Abby Hornacek doing that we all want to do? <laughs> well, I I will say I'm very blessed with my job because every time I walk around the building, people are like, Oh, I can't believe you get to go to all these national parks. And I'm like, Me neither. I don't know how I finagled this, but I, I somehow did. So I don't ask any questions. But uh we just wrapped on season six of Parked. It airs in November. We've got a channel special coming up about Yellowstone. Um that's coming in November. November also. And it's just been such a blast this year. I mean, we've learned a lot since season one. And every time I'm out in nature, it's just a cleanse for the soul. So uh, I love my job so much. And to be able to pair that and wonderful people with these experiences of going out and learning about the amazing treasures that our country has to offer is just so great. And uh, we just got back from Alaska. Actually, we were there for 11 days. <laughs> I learned wow. a whole bunch about Alaska. And um, yeah, I was so excited for Denali National Park. And it's been on my bucket list since I was young. It was gorgeous. But a sneaky one was Kenai Fjords National Park. And I feel like not a lot of people have heard about it, but... It's basically all of these glaciers and um, icebergs. We went kayaking through icebergs to a place called Bear Glacier. Uh, we went ice climbing. I, I went down into a crevasse on the glacier, and I ice-picked myself out of <laughs> the oh glacier. So they're experiences that uh, are bucket list items for me, and I get to do them for work. Now, could you hear the ice creaking? Was it actually moving? They say it's moving when that's happening. Could yeah, you hear it? That's actually a really great point. Um, we... When we were kayaking to Bear Glacier, um, you heard this 
thing like thunder every once in a while. And he'd be like, okay, shh, shh. And we would sit there, and that means a big piece of the glacier had just broken off. We couldn't always see it, but you can definitely hear it. Now, uh, how were the mosquitoes? Because um, <laughs> I've been to Alaska a few times. Uh, I've been up north of the Arctic Circle. I went to a place called Kaktovik, and I went to the Anwar, you know, where there's all this yes. controversy about should we drill, should we not drill. And, and uh, I decided to get out of the vehicle, and there were... I don't know how many billions of mosquitoes, but it was unbelievable. Like, I I did not know the mosquitoes could be that big and that plentiful. It's the state bird, Jason. Oh, and you wave at him. You cannot, if you don't have a net over your head, you cannot get out of the vehicle. You know, in certain times of the year. I mean, it's cold, and so they, you know, they do whatever they do. But in the summer, it's unbelievable. Did you have that experience? You know, it's really weird because I somehow, I don't have many talents or or any powers, but the one power I do have, I don't know what it is, but mosquitoes land on me, but they never bite me. And See, it's okay, such that, a weird thing. That is so funny because I'm the exact same way with my wife. We'll go out for a hike. I don't even put anything on. They're landing on me. They're around me. I'm nothing. Julie sprays, covers up, whatever. <laughs> she walks back. She's got like five mosquito bites on her. Oh, uh, yeah. Julie. Well, she's sweeter than I am. And I can understand why go. they would go after her. But Yeah. I- Julie, Julie has taken it for both of us because um, somehow some people get chosen to get attacked by mosquitoes. And then the other ones get to benefit off of them taking the, the brunt of it. So thank you, Julie. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Abby Hornacek right after this. All right. So um, I believe in part you grew up in the same place, well, very close at least, same Valley of the Sun. In My wife was born and raised in Mesa. I actually went to grade school and high school in Scottsdale. Arizona. Oh. But uh, let's go back to little Abby. Abby's yes. born in... Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> you, you were actually born in Utah? I thought you were born in... Okay. Yeah, I, I lived in Utah till I was about eight or nine, and then I moved to Phoenix. So our uh, lives okay. so kind of cross over. I was the opposite. Now I live in Utah, right? <laughs> but I was uh, I bounced around. I was born in California, Arizona, Colorado, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so you went to college in California. So basically, we're the same person. In reverse, though. In I, reverse, I, yeah. In, but everything <laughs> opposite, yeah. So, um, okay, so you're in Utah till you're eight, and then you moved to Arizona. Yep. But what was what was life like growing up? I mean, your dad, pretty well-known basketball player. Yeah, you know, uh, people ask me this, and it's really interesting to think about because, of course, when I was younger, I remember going to the games, and I was so young. So, uh, you know, I love, love, love sports, and I worked in sports for a little bit before I came to Fox News and Fox Nation, and... You know, you're so young, so you don't really appreciate it. So I remember going to get churros with Lindsay Stockton, who's John Stockton's daughter, and we would would put the the cinnamon on our face. And, you know, it was, it was things like that. And then the jazz bear. So the things that I remember are those things. But also, I think my parents did a really good job growing up. Um, of, you know, it was, it was no different. Uh, my dad's job was no different. It was his job. So when he came home, if he lost a game, he wasn't one of those people that was just in this bad mood for the rest of the night. It would be like, okay, let's make dinner, you know? And so I, I, I never grew up thinking like, oh, wow, my dad's a basketball player. I grew up seeing, um, a mom and a dad who treated everyone at the arena. You know, they knew every single 
name of every person. They treated everyone really well. And so I learned a lot just going to the games that had nothing to do with, you know, the notoriety that my dad might have had. Um, it was more about how to be a good person. And that is what I'm truly grateful for. So yeah, it was, it was cool. I remember him going to the games, but then he would come home and my mom always tells stories of, you know, when he would travel, he was always, you know, he's such, he, he always wanted to prioritize being a dad. So she would hear him cleaning in the garage at like two in the morning. You know how the NBA is they get in late, they get in at one in the morning, they turn around, they practice the next day, but he made sure he got all of his home duties done as well. So we're talking, of course, about Jeff Hornacek, and he was uh, tenacious on the court, an exceptional... I'm just kidding. <laughs> who? Uh, and, and he was, I mean, he was such a great basketball player, but he also had the reputation of just being a super nice guy off the court. And not every NBA player goes through that, um, the gauntlet of that many years in the NBA and then walking out with a better reputation than they even had when they came in. <laughs> and yet he's one of those guys. And that that had to permeate throughout and says a lot about uh, your mom and uh, and him and and the kind of family he raised. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's by by nature of them also growing up in the Midwest. Um, they just they have those Midwestern values. You know, family is everything. Uh, we cook dinner together, things like that. I remember um, as I got older, it's kind of fun to uh, look back at stories and, and talk to people. And I remember Googling once my mom's name because she's very low key. You know, she wears her Gap sweaters and, you know, she's she's the best. And um, I remember coming across an article that was like, who is Stacy Hornacek? And it was uh, it was like, oh, you know, if you, you've seen um, Jeff's wife in the stands at halftime, she'd be reading a book. <laughs> so It's so funny because I think just my parents, I mean, they were all just like, wow, this is a really cool experience. And we're here for the relationships and we're here for our family. And uh, it was more about that than anything. Now, if you went to the game, did he like acknowledge you? Was there anything <laughs> that like let him know that he was, yeah, I... I, I see Abby over there. Yeah, so we begged both. I have two older brothers, and we would always beg him, like, Dad, wave to us. And we didn't really understand. We were young, so we were <laughs> like, why aren't you waving to just us? Playing this the is game. ridiculous. <laughs> and so uh, he developed this thing where he would wipe his face three times, one for each kid, when he st stepped up to the free throw line to show that he was saying hello to us without you know, really waving. And then when we became a coach and we were older, we're like, dad, you got to say hi to us. And of course we're all grown. So it's kind of funny. And before he would take the bench, he would, he would give us a wave. See, now that's so cute and so nice. And, um, I, it actually, I remember when he was playing that it kind of became known, you know, people have different habits, you know, they'll dribble it three times and then shoot or they'll wipe their forehead. But th that whole side of the face thing, I, I think the fans all knew that that was going down too. So yeah, and there was always there was a mystery about it for the longest time, and people would guess why does he do that? Why does he do that? So we always knew. Yeah, well, it, it turned out all right. Okay, so growing up at home, um, you, at some point you got to say, you know, hey, um, my dad has a whole different job than the rest of a uh, rest of the world. But in as normal as a, a scenario, he's trying to create. What what was that like? Did he? Did you have to like work? Like when was the first time Abby had to say, you know what, I'm, I, you know, I'm not just taking out the garbage. I'm not just helping with chores around the house. When did you have to go out and say, you know, I got to get another job and, <laughs> and actually contribute? 
So when I uh, when I went to college, I, I worked every pretty much every year throughout college because I knew what I wanted to do. And um, I think the growing up, we were we were really blessed. I mean, my, my parents taught us lessons in a lot of different ways. Uh, but my first job job happened when I was a freshman in college. Um, and, you know, I was also or maybe it was my a sophomore in college. I was also on the volleyball team. So there was a lot a lot going on. How tall are you? I'm 5'11". Well, yeah, okay, so yeah. you got some height. That's, I got some height. Yeah, yeah. my mom's and, only 5'4". And you five probably four. got a little bit of a vertical jump if you're playing volleyball. I, w- I had to work on that one. <laughs> but I'm very lanky, so, you know, God blessed me with long limbs so that I wouldn't have to jump as high. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. All right. Being a Hornacek, I, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so it's, you know, I my, my dad is 6'4", and my um, my mom is 5'4", and then my oldest brother is 6'5", my other one's 6'2". So we all got the height. My right. poor mom has to take five steps to our one step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So wait, what was this job? Well, I, you know, I, I ended up getting foot surgery, uh, when I was a sophomore and, uh, just kind of derailed my athletic career for a little bit. So I decided to start focusing on work. And, um, you know, I, all through high school, I volunteered. Um, I was part of a few different, uh, philanthropic organizations. So that was kind of my time in high school. And then when I got to college, I was like, I got to start focusing on my career. So, uh, I got a job with, um, the NBA summer league. And then I also was kind of flying back to Arizona to do, um, some sideline stuff and some feature reporting for, the Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. And then um, during the summer, I was doing NBA Summer League. Then when I got to be a a junior and senior, I was driving down. I went to college at USC. Um, So I I was in LA. I would drive down to San Diego and I was co-hosting a show called San Diego Prep Insider, where we found all of the top recruits in high school and kind of talked to them before they took their spot in college. And it was very interesting. And I also, I interned at Fox Sports. I mean, I was just trying to do everything I could. Um, you know, I was I, I printed scripts. I I logged games and on you know the more the production side and and the intern side. And then um, I was really lucky with people who eventually gave me some opportunities. And um, you know, it, it all went. I guess I got the opportunities there, and then I moved moved forward in my career. So I mean, it should be noted you graduated summa cum laude. Is that right? You did I did pretty well in school. Um, <laughs> I was a little bit of a dweeb, yeah. <laughs> a little bit nerd, a little bit dweeb. Was, yeah. what, dweeby, well, it's a dweeby good nerd. you had to study, right? But you learned how to study, evidently. I mean, you can't graduate that high in your class at a big institution <laughs> like USC without having some game. Yeah. You know, my oldest brother is very naturally smart. He works for Google. Um, my middle brother is also very naturally smart. I, I definitely had to work and I, I did a lot of reading. And, um, you know, it's when you're an athlete, you also learn how to work at things you're not good at. So um, both my parents are smart. So I think we inherited some of that. I, I can take zero credit. What did they like take you out in the morning and do wind sprints and say, all right, now it's time for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, for- let's go. We, we always make fun of my, my mom because we did, and my dad, we did these things called summer bridge books when we were, when we were younger. I don't know if, if you've heard of bridge books, but basically during the summer when we're all excited about getting off of school, there were these workbooks. And so we would start the day with our workbook and then we would go out and play and we never really did video games. Um, so we, it was always like go out and, you know, growing up in Utah, you've, I mean, you know, Utah well. 
well. You can go out and hike and mountain bike and camp. And so we were always learning outside and and um, being active. And I feel like, you know, I mean, people say learning takes sitting down at a book and reading. But I think that, you know, it's it's about life and it's about um, exercising. There's a lot of I'm, I'm really interested in the human brain. Um, that's where my nerdy side comes out. And mm-hmm. the more you exercise, you know, you get the dopamine. And uh, so I, I really think we were raised in a great situation. Well, you do. I think you feel better. Look, look when I was in, in Scottsdale, I went to Coco Paw and then I oh. went to Chaparral. Okay. And, um, you know, I was playing soccer and, you know, Arizona, you can be outside and swimming, playing. And when you're young, you don't even care that it's 110 degrees outside. <laughs> no, you don't. And you get too hot, you jump in the pool and get back out and keep going. And and I think there's a real healthy part of that. I will say that the Hornacek uh, family was spinning the whole bridge books better than my dad and my mom, who were, I had a reading chart and I had to log in when I started reading, when I stopped reading and what I read. Like, <laughs> the, I mean, I, I guess it was an issue of trust, but verify, but I had to do this reading and I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, but I remember at the time I felt like it was a chore until right. I got into the books. And what, then was I, there a book that you remember being like, "Wow, I really, I'm really glad I read that as a child." Well, I remember as a kid, I remember reading Blue Dolphin, and uh, that was just like I was mesmerized by this blue dolphin that was running around these islands. I don't and know then, if I've heard of that. And then one. reading these books, the Hardy uh, Boys books, and then I remember reading like um, uh, Black Beauty, and I, I remember. Just all these kind of young kid books. But then I got into Ken Follett and then I started reading like Triple and things like that. And then I really kind of took off and I didn't need a chart anymore, but (laughs) it wasn't called a bridge book. It was called fill in this form before you get to watch any TV <laughs> or you get were... to eat. You couldn't even eat if you hadn't done yeah, it. Yeah. No, no food, no learning. You, you got to feed your brain before we feed your stomach is what they said. Yeah, I like your spin a little bit better. I think they were testing your values because they're like, but that's good, good though, because it, you know, you don't know what you don't know when you're a little kid. Right. And so yeah. you give them the tools and skills. Now you're exceptionally good at talking on your feet and communicating. And just, you're a happy person. I mean, that just radiates out on the television. I get that. But public speaking isn't a natural thing for a lot of people. Where did you, where did you get that? When did that come about? When did your mom and dad look down and say, why this girl, she can talk and she can talk in front of people. I don't you know. don't strike me as a very bashful person. Uh, that is so, I mean, this is a great question and something I was actually going to bring up. So I was painfully shy. I, I still am very, um, I've learned it's a muscle, right? I think communicating is a muscle and I still am challenged because I'm shy. And in my everyday life, I- You're not shy. I, you know, people say that, but I I feel though as though, um, you know, growing up, I was, I was so terrified of talking in front of anyone. And I was so quiet that my mom tells me this and she said that she went to a parent teacher conference and the teacher is like, you know, she's not really, you know, participating. And my mom was like, you have to get her out of her shell. And she goes, just can you, cause you know, when her parent tells you something and they're like, Hey, you need to participate more. I was participating, but I'm more of a listener 
um, growing up. I didn't really like to speak in front of the class and all that. I always had questions, but I was too afraid to ask them in a class situation because I didn't want to speak in front of people. So my mom asked the teacher to start calling on me to read and to, you know, participate in class. And so I was like, you are so mean, mom. Um, But, you know, it's funny. Reading in front of your peers is not... It is when you're a teenager or younger, that is not, no, that's not cool. It's horrible. It is horrible. And so when I was, um, I remember when I was in eighth grade, my mom was like, you know, you should really consider running for student council. And I was, you know, I, I did not want to because I didn't want to give a speech. And she goes, you know, you're not never going to learn if you don't go and do this. And, you know, my dad's an athlete. So it's, you're constantly trying to challenge yourself in those ways. And my parents definitely challenged me in that. And I remember getting giving the speech and I didn't there there was actually um in eighth grade there was a one of the roles where you read the the announcements on like for the morning announcements everyone had a little tv in their room and the morning announcement person would be broadcasted I was like I'm absolutely not doing that job that was the one job that I said I am not going to do that because I cannot put myself through that every single morning so I was the treasurer so I it was in charge of all the money and uh so so you know to this day I I look back on those times and I have just always been painfully shy it really didn't come out of my shell probably until my senior year junior year of of college and I think sports helped a lot because I, you know, I was a setter in volleyball and you really have to communicate point guard in basketball. So you have to be able to talk to people. So I really owe it to my parents and to sports of why I can talk. If, But I still don't think I still think I have a long ways to go. I've, it's a constant challenge. Well, the problem is when you go too far and then you're talking all the time, then you will have lost that authenticity or that what people will be uh, wanting to that person who's just dominating in every conversation, everything is just like, all right, let's pull back the bridle there a little bit, (laughs) slower down, slow that, slow that horse down a little bit. So that's a good balance. I mean, obviously you can communicate and talk, but tell me about your first television or first radio or what was it was the first time? Cause everybody has a horror story out there. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think back. I there there is a uh, one thing I did, and it was it was actually so fun, and it was it was with the Phoenix Suns, and um, the team went out for kind of a team bonding thing, and it was for philanthropy, and uh, they did this go karting uh, challenge in Phoenix, and I did a little sideline report about it, and I I believe I was a sophomore in college, and I look back, and my voice was so high pitched, and I was like, oh my gosh. That is that was really bad. And then when I was uh, actually this was in my work, my af- post grad career, I, I worked in Chicago for a couple years for in sports, and we hosted a live stream sports show. And you know we'd get into work at two p.m. We would leave at one a.m. It was that shift. You know, worked all the weekends. And our last show of the day was at midnight. It was from midnight to one a.m. And it was at, it was such a fun show because at that point everyone was like, oh yeah, whatever. It was kind of like a sports bar situation where we were just talking shop and just ad-libbing about the stuff that happened. And I remember my brain was really tired by the end of the day. And um, we started with this rugby video. And, uh, you know, a rugby field is called a pitch. 
And I was like, we're going to start the rally on the pitch. I meant to say the pitch, but I think my words got a little jumbled and I said a different word. And right away I was like, I mean, <laughs> a pitch. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I was like, I hope no one was, it was, you know, midnight. And um, we were, it, I don't know how many people were watching our show. And uh, so I, I, that was one thing. I remember my boss texted me. I'm like, I'm fired. I don't know what happened to my brain there. And he um he he was laughing about it so no they got to laugh i've told this story before but i was once on a heated exchange in a debate on uh about benghazi and we were on cnn and instead of saying fire fight mm-hmm. i said fire fart <laughs> and i knew at the moment i said it and i could just tell because the phone in my pocket just starts buzzing no you know, and it's like you know people that i know just you just said fart. You, you know. You just said fart, and I'm like, <laughs> no, I didn't. And then by no, about the fifth text, I'm like, yeah, I really oh probably man, did. Man, I got to rewind that and watch it. Yeah, well, I, I hope that's I just on played YouTube. on as if it didn't happen. That's yeah. th- that was my go to, hoping that. But everybody, I think, did notice. You know, those there um, are videos on YouTube of uh, broadcasters making mistakes like that, and I try to not laugh because you understand your brain does weird things to you when you're tired or when you're stressed. And when, while people are like, Oh wow, it's so easy just to say the right word. It's your brain really does. Sometimes your, your brain and your mouth do not communicate very well. No, look, you do enough broadcast, you do enough speaking with your friends. It's going to happen, but you know, it it is on tape. So we'll have to get that tape of yours. And uh, no, 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 I'm going to get yours first. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it is out there. It's pretty bad. Okay, so you're going along. Then you, how did you end up at Fox? It's a very long story. Actually, I took a different job that got me to New York, and um, it's too long to get into now, but I decided to leave that job. Um, and I had met one of my friends in college, um, knew someone who worked here at Fox, and she didn't know I worked in TV. I had no idea what her job was. And he, when I first moved to New York, when I had my other job, he's like, hey, you guys should just get together for coffee, You'd be good friends. And um, we never ended up connecting. And then this thing happened with my first job and I uh she randomly reached out and she goes wait I didn't know you worked in TV you should come we're launching this thing called Fox Nation but this is not um you know I don't want you to think this is an interview I just want to tell you about kind of what we're doing here and so uh it was a, a very long process of me meeting with people and not thinking that I was e- that there was even a job opening and then this uh park show came up they they're talking about oh yeah we're doing the show about national parks it's like wait I grew up a, a you know half my life in Utah and the other half in Arizona. There are five national parks in Utah. I know all about them. What if you did this with the show and this with the show? So I started to kind of, you know, try to sneak in there. You know, Jason, I just was like, you know, you probably should give me this job. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you it's know, it's the George Costanza approach to it. <laughs> just assume that you have the job. Just yeah. keep showing up. And the next thing you know, you they, know, it's like they, all you, just, you have the job. <laughs> They're like, wow, Abby is really stalking us. We got to give her this job before she, you know, before she becomes a stalker of Fox News. Uh, No, so it was, uh, they gave me an opportunity and uh, things just kind of developed from there. And I was doing the park show and then Fox News started asking me to do some things. And I've just, you know, been around such wonderful people that I've learned a lot from, like yourself, you know. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from you watching you on all of these various shows you go on and your podcast. And I've just, I've been able to kind of be a sponge and you know aspire to be up there one day with all of you guys oh gosh you're (laughs) you're being way too nice here abby you you've had your own great success but what do you 
what do you want to do? Like, okay, this is my dream. I want to be Bill Hemmer or I want to be <laughs> like, what is that? What is that would, that you would do if you could kind of carve can... out what exactly, I mean, you're doing like, I mean, the coolest, funnest gig out there. We're all looking around saying, how do, how do we get that job? That's, <laughs> that's a job. That's like cool. So yeah. but what do you, what do you kind of perceive you want to do long-term? Well, I can't Not imagine. Not that this is an interview, but you know. <laughs> no, I, this is exactly how it went when I was first hired. <laughs> no, I, was, um, I can't imagine a world where I would be nearly talented enough to be a Bill Hammer. But, um, you know, I, I know it sounds so cliche, but I really do feel like I'm living my dream job because I get to do the travel and lifestyle and happy things with Fox Nation and Fox News. I'm going to cover the uh, MLB uh, um, the World Series at the end of the month, you know, in October for Fox and Friends. So I've, I just, I feel like Fox News and Fox Nation have both given me opportunities and Fox News podcasts. I mean, we, we've, I've gotten so many opportunities from different aspects of the company where I truly am, I'm loving that I get to kind of have a role in a bunch of different parts of it. Right. And every time, um, you know, my, my main thing, I, I remember in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, I don't know if I want to work in sports or news or travel or, um, and I just prayed, I prayed for, um, a job that would allow me to be around people who genuinely made me happy. And that's all I cared about. Even if it wasn't in TV, I was like, I just want to be around people because yeah. you, yeah. you spend the majority of your life with people you work with because it's, you know, you show up in the morning, you leave at night. And, um, you know, I've, I can truly say that God granted that because the people I'm around, not only can I learn from them, but it just, everyone is such a good person and, and, and ha we all share very similar values. And, um, so, you know, that's, if I look at that at the barometer of success that I think I've, I think I'm there. Well, that is a great answer. And I can tell, I can tell the sincerity in which you say it because yeah, life's too short. You know, I feel bad for people that are caught in a, a job or a situation where they feel like they can't move or they can't be, um, you know, with people that buoy them up and lift them up and mm -hmm. as opposed to suppress them. And like everybody has parts of their job and things that they don't like, or they wish they could change or the mundane paperwork and stuff you got to do. I mean, I don't care what job you have. There's somebody's going to have some of that, right? But you you want to spend the majority of your time doing something that you enjoy and then it doesn't feel like it's a job completely. And the, the type of people I've been able to meet, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Um, just, you know, through, through travels and, and through, you know, walking around the building and people that you don't come in contact with every day. Uh -huh. I, I, um, I actually was just in Northern Arizona filming at Petrified Forest National Park. It was our last episode of this season and came across this guy and he watched Fox and he, um, you know, I walked up and he was wearing a fire, like a, a firefighting shirt. And I said, Oh, are you a firefighter? He goes, Oh, retired. I I've been, I retired, but I did it for 31 years. I said, well, that's a really cool shirt. It said like engine, I think it was like engine 35 or something. And from, from Denver, I said, that is such a cool shirt. Well, thank you for everything you do. And, um, you know, we, we owe everything to our first responders. And he goes, Oh, um, I might have an extra shirt in my car. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, you don't have to do it. And he's like, if you want it. I said, oh, you don't have to do that. And he ran to his car and then he comes back. He's like, oh shoot, I'm so sorry. I thought I had one. I said, do not even worry about it. And he goes back to his car, changes his shirt and literally gave me the shirt off of his back. And I'm like, the people that you, I mean, that's just a good person, you know? And and I, it speaks to the values that I think this network in general puts out there because it attracts people like that. And it was yeah. just such a cool thing. Well, you, you do an amazing job on that, uh, the park show. And it, it's really, if you go to Fox Nation and you want to see something, it's like, all right, now that's not just another show of looking at, you know, a national park. It, it really is, uh, it really is uh, well done and, and you do an exceptional job with it. So, well, I hope our paths cross because I, like I said, I haven't even met you a long way, but I've <laughs> seen you a bunch. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be right back. Abby, before we end our podcast here, um, I do have these kind of rapid questions, kind of get to know you a little better. Okay. I'm nervous. And so I don't care how many parks you've been to or how many basketballs you've dribbled or how many <laughs> volleyballs you've spiked along the way. Um, you're not totally prepared for this. Oh, good. Oh, but that's gosh. what makes it fun. All right. All right. Should I do All like right. high knees or like a grapevine or anything to warm up or? Uh, yeah, maybe if you push Stretch it out. Okay. I think, uh, yeah. Burpees, my arms maybe. are too long for push-ups. <laughs> Good excuse. That's my I'm excuse. Not <laughs> I'm not buying that. All right. Uh, okay. First concert you attended? Train. Train. But I'm a huge country fan, but uh, I do love Train. <laughs> I think okay. I was in high school. Well, I didn't know there was one that out there, but I'm glad we got the the person who likes Train. That's cool. <laughs> oh, come on. Um, what was your high school mascot? <laughs> um, Gators. We were we were the Xavier Gators, all all girls school. I didn't know that. Yep. The Gators. Like the well, there were a lot of Gators in Arizona. <laughs> That's a great, that's something I've never thought about. I have no idea why we're the Gators. You would think that it'd be Florida, which there are the Florida <laughs> At Gators. Least be somewhere in the Southeast. <laughs> I mean, Arizona? Gators? <laughs> Xavier Gators. We should have been like the Roadrunners or little, like a, the Havilinas. a little alliteration to it, but Gila Monsters, maybe. But <laughs> The yeah. Xavier Gila Monsters. <laughs> um, okay, this one going to, first celebrity crush. Zac Efron. Oh. Um, I was not on board with High School Musical 1, but as the High School Musicals became like High School Musical 47, I was like, all right, I think I could get behind Zac Efron. <laughs> I, I got to tell you a, a quick story. So I was in, I used to be in Congress once upon a time and uh, they were filming something in Salt Lake and I can't remember what it was. Anyway, somehow, some way they said, we would love for you to come meet the cast and come to this. Now, for whatever reason, I couldn't go. But my kids were like dying to go and because they were huge Zac Efron fans. Right. And yes. um, and so the guy who was arranging this said, no, it's fine. Let's bring your kids. So they introduced him to Zac Efron and he could not have been a nicer guy. If you talk to our daughter, she will say he was so nice. He really? was so polite Aww. and then said, OK, well, hey, your dad. Yeah. Good luck to him. I hope he wins his election. And and I thought, what a nice guy. Just took all this time and. Not everybody's kind of got their head screwed on straight, but I'm kind of a Zac Efron fan just because he was such a nice guy. And he wanted you to win the election. Yeah. And my kids were very small and they were just, you know, impressionable and that can go one of two different directions. Right. And it went really well. So I will always put a check mark and a, a thumbs I, up on Zac Efron. You know what? That. You just made it better. 
I'm so happy to hear that. He's, you know, he, I believe I just Googled his height. He's 5'8". So as long as he doesn't mind a 5'11". Woman, <laughs> I, I, my guess is that that would probably be all right with him. But you're, you, I don't mind. So Harris Faulkner has a story. I asked her who celebrity crushes, and she wouldn't tell me. And I said, "Why?" And she said, "Because I actually met him. I and I actually and I thought." Okay, there's a whole story there. I still need to figure it out. So that's like one of the biggest mysteries. We're going to have to put a Faulkner focus on that story. Oh, I am dying to know who this guy <laughs> is and that she interacted with him. And I, but it was not, they were more like the same age. They, oh. It's not like. I'm going to have to scrub the internet for that. I, if you can help me figure this out, she said this on my podcast. It's like public knowledge here. So. That's that's like why I keep asking, but yeah, we're gonna have to ask. Zach. We're gonna have to figure that out. Yes. if it's Zach, it might be Zach. I, <laughs> I mean, <don't> <laughs> um, all right, favorite vegetable. Uh, uh, does anyone have a favorite vegetable? <laughs> <laughs> that's the most common answer. I will uh, tell you, one third of the people that I have on my podcast can't name a vegetable. So, <laughs> um, I I like asparagus. I guess, especially I guess. if you put oh, cheese on top. Oh yeah, I can tell top. you're ordering that next time you go <laughs> to some fancy restaurant. Hey, give me this side of asparagus, please. <laughs> I don't know. It's you know, vegetables are vegetables. See, my approach to this is, I told my wife, I said, why don't you give me every like nutritious thing I'm supposed to have? Let's put it in that blender. Yes. Put a little water, put some yogurt in it, and uh, maybe some cinnamon to s- at least spice it up a little bit, and I will drink it. I would much rather have really? the 30 seconds of drinking it than... What if it's asparagus? Are you going to put asparagus in your smoothie? <sighs> yeah. Sounds kind of nasty. I don't know. <laughs> Let me make you a smoothie once and I'll... I'll put some some good it's stuff in It's not going to be a there. sugar bomb, right? It'll be like a <laughs> no, really it'll be good like, one. It'll be like cauliflower and asparagus and broccoli all blended up. We'll see yeah. if you see if you still stand by your. I'd rather have it in drink form. Oh yeah, and the gnarlier it tastes, the the like more I know it's healthy for me. Exactly. I Julie, my wife makes these, and I'm like, that can't be healthy for me. It right? was too good. Yeah. It's too good. Can she start making me some smoothies? <laughs> I love that. She's pretty good at it, actually. But um, yeah, put all the nasty stuff in there and I'll do it. Um, we asked about your first job. Um, it, so if you had a chance when you're out doing these Fox Nation shows and you got a chance to meet Bigfoot, what would you ask him? What's his shoe size? Because I guarantee my shoe size is bigger. <laughs> really? Well, big, I've got big feet. feet huh? um, I actually would never meet Bigfoot because I am Bigfoot. Oh, you are the you already there. <laughs> I'm already there. I'm not going to reveal to. I revealed my height already, and that's always been a little bit of a secret. So I am not going to reveal to you my shoe size. So you'd put out your foot and say, "Come on, yeah, I'd be Bigfoot, like, bring let's it see on. What you got? Yeah, <laughs> let's exactly. See what you got. All right, I buy that. Um, did you have a pet growing up? Yep, a lot. <laughs> a, a lot. Well, when we were... When were you we, dogs, cats? What were you? Not cats. No offense to people who have cats. Um, we had three dogs growing up. And then we also, when we lived in Utah, we built... Uh, we were really obsessed with building things. Uh, we built a skateboarding ramp and uh, that my brothers and I... I loved to skateboard when I was younger. And then we built a chicken coop. And we got a bunch of chickens. We had 19 chickens and three roosters, and we would get the eggs in the morning. We, we did not live on a farm. We just kind of built this chicken coop, and we took care of them. Um, were you eating the eggs in the morning? We were eating the eggs. Yeah. Very tasty eggs. Um, we had the black and white chickens. We had a couple of those, and they, they um, 
produce a colored egg. It's the shell. So we joke like, oh, green eggs and ham. So (laughs) it was a fun little thing. So we had those and uh, always around animals. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, All right. So if you had one chance to invite whoever you want, dead or alive, to go out to dinner and just break bread and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I want to have a chance to just chat with this person. Who would that person be? Oh, that's such a hard question. And I feel like this is, you know, people ask this question, but I've never really thought about it as in depth as I should. But I think what I would say is I would love to talk to an ancestor. Um Maybe someone who grew up, one from my mom's side, one from my dad's side. That way I can kind of just see where I came from and see what kind of struggles they had to go through and uh, how we became the family that we are today. It would be be, really... That's a great answer. It'd be interesting. Hornacek, what kind of name is that? Uh, Czech. Czech. Yep. My my great grandma was from what was then Czechoslovakia. Yeah. So you like talk to yeah i can totally see the hardships and and the the his, the, the stories that they've gone through the yeah. ancestors that would be fascinating well it's a good i answer. i learned i was i was in a mammoth cave national park and we were in kentucky and we went to a dairy farm and it was what's called cheney's dairy barn and i i was obsessed with it and i milked a cow and i learned how they, they make an ice cream that they sell in the national parks with the milk that they that they mm-hmm. farm and i went home and i said mom you know, I got to move out of New York City and I got to move to a farm. I, I've, I've always wanted to live on a farm for some reason. And I was like, I think I want to be a dairy farmer one day, maybe when I retire. And she's like, well, you know, your great, great uncle was a dairy farmer. And I said, what? <laughs> and I said, you know, that it makes sense. So, you know, to be able to learn that about my family, I'm like, okay, maybe my love for, for cows comes from my great, great uncle. Yeah. You know, being a dairy farmer, I could do that once or twice a year and I probably have my fill. That's a really hard It is so hard. I learned so much about it. And you don't get a day off. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to sleep in today. No, the cow's got to be fed. You got to, you know, the the transportation of the milk and then the supply chain issues and all of that. I mean, it's got to scoop the poop. I mean, you can't let it linger. Exactly. You know, got to scoop the poop. That's the hardest part. (laughs) That's right. So, all right. Just a couple more Uh, unique talent that nobody knows about. Like, what can you do? The most I don't have play. many talents. Um, I actually, so I, I'm not, my brother is amazing at the guitar and I've always wanted to be able to play some instruments. So I, I, I've been obsessed. At, like I mentioned before, I love country music. So I, with my first paycheck, bought myself a banjo. Um, instead of putting it in my savings account, I'm like, I'm going to buy a banjo. I asked for a banjo every year growing up. And I think my parents were like, I don't know if we want to hear we can't, this. Man, we can't handle this. <laughs> we can't. So I was living in Chicago, went to a place called Old Old Town School of Folk Music, and I bought myself a banjo, and I have been trying to learn ever since. So I would probably say, um, I would like to say I'm a, I'm a novice banjo player. Oh my yeah. Gosh. All right. My roommate Let's... hates it. <laughs> so does my neighbor. The whole building probably shudders. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll we'll pass on. Having you go get that banjo out, that's that's if, awesome. If you need me to, you know, write your little intro for your podcast, if you want to do it, I can, I, can, I can pluck a few strings. Yeah, we have to come up with the name of your band, whatever it is. Some <laughs> Abby's Banjo Country something. There's I love something it. In there. I, think that's, I think that's a good one. Uh, a big, really, a big test for me is this next question. Oh, Pineapple gosh. on pizza. Yes? Absolutely not. 
I'm a firm believer that you keep your fruit separate. I also don't believe in putting ice cream on a brownie, ice cream on pie. They should be sold separately. Right? Thank you. I don't know what kind of psychopath likes any of that stuff together. Um, I like them individually. I don't want wet fruit on my pizza. Don't you want to taste the taste of both, you know, to the fullest extent? Because yes, they I want dilute that one another. To like seep in between my teeth and yes. everything else. I don't. And then the ice cream. I will reveal Just, something to you that I have not revealed publicly. Um, okay. You only know this if you've eaten dinner with me before. Okay. But when I have a burger, I love burgers, and I always take the top bun off. And people think I'm doing it for you know like health reasons, but I always eat the burger with the bottom bun and the patty so that I can fully taste the patty. And then I ask the waiter for butter and I butter the top (laughs) bun and I eat the top bun separately (laughs) because I like to taste the full extent of the bread and then the full extent of the meat. So what do you do with the Big Mac? I mean, they got three buns in there. Yeah, you just take you take one off and you eat it separately. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a very carb-friendly way to approach things. I mean, Abby, it still goes to the same place. Have, it's just right. eating it I separately. Never, I've never heard that. I've never seen that. Well, and um, that must get quite the look. That's, it does. That's, I, I'm impressed. I'm highly impressed. I got to try it. <laughs> you should. You don't knock it. I need you a burger, it. extra butter on the side. Yes. So that I can butter up the bun and eat it separately. Yeah, but if you do it, Jason, you have to ask. If you get a cheeseburger, you have to ask them to put the cheese on the oh, bottom part because then, point. but because the, then the cheese is on the bun, and That's you don't want right. to put like butter on the cheese. That's right. It's very complicated. I'm up for this because you know when I was growing up, I remember eating like mayonnaise sandwiches and I grilled bologna. You know when I was what? a little kid and there's nobody around, I wanted something to eat. This is the, these are the things I do. So it sounds like something Disgusting. I would have done. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> All right, two more questions. All right. Um, if you weren't if you weren't doing TV, what mm. would you be doing? Probably, I'll, I'd probably be on my dairy farm, <laughs> <You're out there laughs> milking a cow, <laughs> milking the cows, uh, taking a nap, by yeah. going to oh my gosh, getting up at three o'clock in the morning. So yeah. fulfilling. Right. Okay. I would be doing right. that. that. Family uh, dinners every Sunday. You know. All right. Last one. Uh, best advice you ever got. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um. It would probably be from my mom. My mom is, we call them momisms. She has a lot of wisdom. Uh, but she told me, she goes, your reputation, or you wear your reputation like a shirt every day. Um, if you spill on your shirt and you show up, people aren't going to notice your shirt. They're going to notice the stain. Mm. So wear your reputation like you wear your clean shirt. It's good advice. Yeah. You know? So if you have a stain on your reputation, that's all people see. Between that, the golden rule... <laughs> yeah. Bridge books. I, I, your your parents are impressive people. Look, we we uh, I initially got to know the Hornacheks just because basketball fans, and your dad's obviously one of the good good guys out there, and uh, provided a lot of entertainment for a lot of people. But you are just doing amazing things. The podcast on Fox Nation and doing it with a smile on your face, and ultimately, I think people want to be around people that are happy and. You bring a lot of happiness to a lot of people and touching people who, uh, you know, in a way you, you will never recognize. So I, I'm just, mm. thanks for spending some time with me and kind of sharing your background and your story. I do appreciate it. Well, that's very kind of you to say, and I'm a huge fan and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, you're very, very uh, Look, I look forward to another season here. And, uh, again, yes. thanks for joining us on the Jason. Do and I hang podcast. up or do you? 
I'm going to keep going. I think you hang up because oh, I've okay. got to record the other bookends of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, thank you so much. I thank really you. Seriously, it. that was really that was nice. A lot of fun. I, I appreciate it. A lot of fun. Yes. I can't thank Abby enough. She is a fun person. What a dynamic uh, personality. And I think you're going to see a whole lot more of her at Fox. I hope we do because she's got her head screwed on straight. She did all those, uh, all that bridge reading and uh, just smart, talented and fun. Can't ask for more than that. So I thank Abby for, for joining us. Hope you can rate this. Hope you can subscribe to my podcast. I'd really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week with another great podcast. And if you want to go check out some of the others in the Fox News arena there, you go to foxnewspodcast.com. But uh, thanks for joining us on Jason in the House. I am Jason Chaffetz. We'll talk to you again next week. Mm -hmm.